So sacrificial love, guys. That's why Jesus died upon the cross. And are we called to live in such a way to love the way he did? Absolutely. A new commandment I give to you. We've been studying the Ten Commandments. Lord willing, we'll finish that some year. Um, (laughs) But we consider what Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you. Well, I thought you gave us Ten Commandments. I thought there's a bunch of commandments in the Old Testament. He says, no, I'm going to give you guys a new one. You, my disciples, my followers, you love. Love as I have loved you. Whoa, not just love, but we're to follow the example of Jesus himself and to love like he loves. And his love was a sacrificial love. We love when it's convenient, right? Oh, you're easy to love because you'll love me back. You're a stinker and you're hard to love. (laughs) I guess as a Christian, I'll do it when it's convenient for me. I think it's good for us to gaze upon the face of God, to look to Jesus and say, hey, how did you love? Well, I loved you unconditionally, sacrificially, period. I want you to do the same. So I'm hoping this morning, guys, that we will make conscious choices of doing it Jesus' way, okay? And really, sacrificial love, it does make a choice. It does make a way. It takes risks, okay? It's a sacrificial love, and that's why I love following Jesus. Do you guys know that he's a risk taker? I mean, he was all in, wasn't he? (laughs) All in. So we're going to look at love that is hospitable this morning. We're going to consider um, a highlighted phrase that Jesus brings up when we read about the feeding of the 5,000. He says, you feed them. Okay? And if you guys like to do memory verses, and I've been encouraging you guys to be memorizing the scriptures, I want you to jot down Matthew 22, verse 39. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Woo! Wow. Good one to memorize, right? Next week, we're going to do this in two parts. You guys can thank Angie for this. Uh, She's all about getting a hospitality team together. And it got me thinking because we met and we were dreaming together. What can we as a church do to be more welcoming, to love each other? And I just got thinking and praying. And we want to do that well as a church family. We want visitors as they come to feel loved and accepted and received here. But my head's going, you know, we got to do that as Christians. We, We need to be doing that at church. But God, you've told us to love our neighbors. So it's people that live right across the street from us, right next to us, some of us in our backyard. Um, So love our neighbors. So next week, guys, uh, we're going to take a teaching from the Old Testament, and we're going to look at David. Oops, I don't want to go there yet. It's not letting me go back. (laughs) Uh, We'll take a look at 2 Samuel 9. You guys can read ahead, but we're going to see David showing hospitality with Saul's son, Mephibosheth, okay? Um, so back to this morning, consider Jesus with me for a second, guys. Okay. He urged hospitality to be extended beyond the confines of our home or our tribe, our group, as illustrated in a lot of the different parables. I think about the parable of the midnight visitor in Luke 12, the good Samaritan, just a chapter earlier ministering to the needy is clearly expected by God of his kids. That's just something that's super clear for us 
in the scriptures and very <laughs> made evident by what Jesus did and taught regarding the judgment to the nations. Here in Matthew chapter 25, he says, hey, you need to be feeding the hungry, quenching the thirsty, welcoming a stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, and visiting the imprisoned. That's what Jesus asked us to do. And we, well, when did we do that? I don't do that. You know, and then he tells us in verse 40, he says, hey, as surely as you did to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Do you guys understand that? Why do we have a bunch of people here that go every Wednesday? Some of you guys faithfully for over a decade, every week, serving, doing so much behind the scenes that nobody sees. Why? Because we do it unto Jesus. You guys understand that? Even when we give a cup of cold water to somebody in the name of Jesus, man, it's to his glory. It's unto him that we're doing that. And really, as a believer, we don't think about that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's just who I am now because I'm following Jesus. This unconditional love thing, the sacrificial love thing, that's just part of my DNA now. I'm born again of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit's what? Love. You're just going to be loving. It's going to be gushing on people. It's beautiful. Anyways, failure to offer hospitality encourages judgment. You guys can go to Luke 16 and check out the parable of that rich man in Lazarus. You guys remember that one? Jesus scolded that Pharisee named Simon for being a poor host. You guys remember that? No water, dude. Wash my feet. That's what happens in our culture. I'm visiting, coming into your home. I got stinky toes. You should be washing my feet. You're a poor host. No greeting Jesus with a kiss there. No oil for the anointing of his head. That's in Luke chapter 7. So our story this morning is going to be taken from Matthew chapter 14 so why don't you guys turn there this morning and this is where we're going to camp out for a little bit together we're going to look at verses 13 to 21 but i want us to remember and it must be important okay when we consider this miracle that we find in all of the gospels you guys know this is the only miracle that's mentioned in all of them except for the resurrection that's a pretty big <laughs> miracle that's all in all the gospels too but this is the only other miracle where they said hey we got to share this account. This is what Jesus did. So let's take a look here. Matthew 14, we'll pick up in verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus, the Bible ever says, but Jesus, pay attention about what's going to happen, right? He said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we don't got nothing, Jesus. <laughs> what do we have? You guys ever feel that way? Hey, we only have five loaves and only two fish. And he said, hey, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. 
and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate, and they were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. So this morning, guys, I want us to focus on two statements that Jesus made here. You give them something to eat, okay? So this is what does need to happen. And then secondly, and bring them here to me. So how it can and will happen. I want us to see, guys, this is a mini picture of Jesus' hospitality. Jesus was a host. He was a guest here. And he was the meal, the Passover lamb of God. So he meets with them, speaks. He really lived hospitality. That's what I want you guys to see as we look to our Lord this morning. So they said, here, send them away. Jesus teaches never send someone away hungry, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally. Okay, People are hungry today. And again, with the pantry, we give food. People may be physically hungry, but we know the greatest need is a spiritual need, a spiritual hunger. And some people don't even know they have it. But by giving food, we're able to meet a spiritual need also. So, Jesus will give for us, guys, what's seemingly some challenges here, okay? Because he says, you give them something to eat. So, may this be written on every church, in every believer's heart, okay? We have bread that satisfies, guys. Do you understand that? What people long for, what people think will satisfy, (laughs) leaves them hungry (laughs) they're gonna hunger again but we have the bread of life to share with this world okay so you give them something to eat don't you know hear them hear you okay do you guys see this you give them something to eat so we asked you know who fed them (laughs) was it the disciples or was it jesus i I say yes (laughs) Both. Did you guys? It was both of them. This has been the reality of the Freedom Center food pantry. God did this. We didn't try to start a food pantry. God said, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do this. You are my followers. You are going to do this. We are going to do this. We haven't had to beg. The Lord's just provided He's gone before. Joe brought up the COVID before. Everything got crazy in that season. I had people calling us and offering us a ton of money because the world's tripping out. And we were the only agency to the point that, you know, they contacted us. And I told the guy, you know what? It's awesome that you have a ton of money to offer. God's got us. He's going to see us through. He's going to provide for the pantry. He's like, you're the only one. Well, let me tell you what God's been doing the last 10 years with our food pantry. We haven't had to worry about what might happen in the future because we don't know what's going to shake out with this COVID thing. But the thing we do know, God has, and he will continue to do what he wants to do. He is our provider. And that's one of the cool things. 
is you get to feed people. <laughs> you have these interactions, and you get to testify to the goodness of who God is. So the disciples showed how, you know, this hospitable behavior, but only with God's help. And that's really what I want to point out. We only can do so much. We can be that willing vessel. Lord, use me. I don't have much. Maybe a little bread, a couple fish. <laughs> Not enough to meet the need. And God says, that's all I need. Your willingness. Let's go. Let's do. So, the story reminds us of how inadequate we are, but how adequate he is. Did you guys catch the phrase here, bring them here to me? That's our job. That's all we do, you know? People ask, hey, what do you do? <laughs> and I've told people in the past, I point people to Jesus. That's all I do. I point people to Jesus. You guys know that's what we get to do? Don't look at me. <laughs> Look at him. It's him. So, that's our one job. Blessed and broke, we're told Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. Uh, we are not manufacturers. We're only distributors. Do you guys get that? Okay. We can't save anybody. We just get to go share with others. <laughs> Who does? It's him. Okay, the miracle took place in Jesus' hands, not theirs. So Jesus didn't only feed 5,000, but he also taught the 12. Think about that for a second. We look at this miracle like, whoa, 5,000 men plus some of their wives and their kids? There could have been 10,000 plus. Whoa, what a miracle. Did you guys ever think what the disciples took from that? What did they learn? Is serving. My wife was up here before, like, hey, get involved and start serving Jesus. Why? Because that's when you see the miracles. Okay? We talk about the supernatural. We've been in the book of Corinthians. We've been considering the spiritual gifts. We read about these things in Scripture. I grew up in the church, heard about them. But you know when I began to see the supernatural, God move in radical ways, people start getting saved when I started serving. I just showed up. God, I want to be a part of what you're up to. And you step in and they're like, whoa. Heard about these things. Now I'm seeing these things firsthand. This is pretty cool. So you want to see God move and work? Get over yourself and start being hospitable. Start serving and loving others. Because isn't that what Jesus asked us to do? Love others. So, instead of telling Jesus what to do here, let him bring you back into the place where we find ourselves as servers, as waiters. Do you guys know that it's good to wait on the Lord? A lot of times people read that passage from Isaiah and say, hey, I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to sit on the bench until I get called into the game. That's not what God meant. We're in the game. The second you're born again, man, you're living in eternal reality. The battle is on. This life is short. we got one life to live, and we don't waste it. We want to go for it. And when we're in the game, guys, we're in that place. What do you want, God? <laughs> Where do you need me to be? Because I do want to wait upon you as a waiter. Okay? What do you want me to do? And that can look so many different ways, guys. But we have a lot of opportunities to serve and love people. But we want to be in step with the Lord and what he's doing. So this story, guys, is about dependence on God with resources. 
So this is the God we serve, the God who will make much of whatever. You know, who is willing to go? We've been studying Isaiah with the men on Thursday mornings. You know, who, who, who can I send? Who will go for me? You know what Isaiah's response was? <laughs> you can send me. I'm, I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm just a man. I got unclean lips. But I'm willing. You know what the Lord does? All right. I'll take you. Even though you're just a man. And you have unclean lips. Because I'll take this coal. I'll cleanse your lips. I'll change you. And you will speak for me. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? So that's what God wants. This is the God we serve. So Jesus didn't come to just give bread, but to be the bread. You guys understand that? He is the bread of life. So... We are not left here to do hospitable things, but to be hospitality. Can I say that again? We're not here just to be hospitable. We're going to have a meeting after church. We're getting together a hospitality team. It's great. We'll do some stuff. But as a Christian, hospitality is what we're called to do. Okay, That's who we are because that's who Jesus is. You know, it's just, don't you guys love the Gospels? You know, like Jesus is so cool. He's so other. He's God, right? You know, but you guys know that he would welcome anybody. You know, hey, you're a prostitute. You got leprosy, don't you know, dude? Like, you're not supposed to be around anybody. That's a big no-no in our culture. But hey, come here. I'll touch you. I'll hang with you. Zacchaeus, I don't know what you're doing in the tree. Get down here. I'm going to your house, right? I must go through Samaria, and that's something as a Jew we don't do. That was Jesus. Didn't matter if you were a stranger. Didn't matter if you were a Gentile. Didn't matter if you were a woman at the well in the middle of the day because you were embarrassed by your life. Jesus was hospitable. And I love seeing that in the Gospels. I want to be like that. So I don't always feel like being like that. I like being alone sometimes. I used to be really outgoing. The older I get, I get more introverted. And you guys experience the same thing? You know, Leave me alone. But then you got the Holy Spirit just like, forget that. I got something I want you to do, son. Okay. So I want to ask the question. Oh, boom, doggy bag. Do you guys know that's what the disciples got to see? <laughs> Lord does his miracle, and they get a doggy bag, too. So rad. I forgot I put the doggy bag in there. <laughs> All right. So what is love <laughs> that is hospitable? I am so glad you guys asked because I've been praying on this and thinking on this a lot, and I'd love to share with you guys. Hosp- hospitality is both an attitude of the heart, and it's also a practice of the hand. But I will tell you guys this, until it's in your heart, your hand was, they're not going to do. We're good at giving lip service. I want to do that. It's in my heart to do. Great. Do it. Do it. You guys see throughout scripture, God calls his people to show hospitality to strangers. Note takers, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 18 and 19. 
He says that we need to show hospitality to orphans, foreigners, the poor, widows, and more. The list goes on there. So hospitality means love or being fond of strangers. Really, strangers creep me out. (laughs) Have you walked around my neighborhood? (laughs) It's not friends, okay? That's the Greek word philo de phila. Okay, this is philo zenan, love of stranger. Okay, hospitality is the exact opposite of exnophobia, which is the fear or the hate of a stranger. Do you know some people are so, you know, scared? You guys know for some people, just coming to church is an overwhelming thing? All those weirdos go to that building. (laughs) But I want to know Jesus. (laughs) It's a scary thing to walk into an unknown thing. How many kids have, you know, you guys had kids that just started school last month? How many of them were overwhelmed? going into a new setting, not knowing what it was going to be like, new teacher, new students. Scary thing. But here, guys, when we consider biblical hospitality, it seeks to turn strangers into friends through acts of welcome or generosity. Rosera Butterfield said, turning strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. That's what I picture Jesus doing. I know we just met. (laughs) You're going to be family. Think about Jesus calling the disciples. You follow me. Just come with me. Live with me. John Mark Hummer said, expressing the welcome of God, the Father, to all through tangible acts of love, namely through giving food, shelter, and relationship. I love Romans chapter 12, guys. If you look at verse 9 with me up here, it says that we're always to be eager to practice hospitality. Like, I want to do it. (laughs) Opportunity, yeah, right? And it's so cool because if you look at the beginning of the chapter in verse 9, It says this all, there's this list and it pops up and it starts with let your love be genuine. You know, we're good at being hypocrites. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Really, why don't you show it? (laughs) Why do you treat me that way? (laughs) Why do you talk behind my back? Why do you forsake me? Okay, it's easy to give lip service to things, guys. It's in my heart. (laughs) Okay. And then I love how the chapter concludes in verse 21. It ends with don't become or be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? Good, right? And it all there, it centers around that reality of practicing hospitality and being eager to do that. How many of you guys have the gift of hospitality? This just comes easy. A handful of you guys. How many of you guys are like, whoa, this is overwhelming to me? I have great excuses, too, why I shouldn't be hospitable. <laughs> I got a long list. But the thing is, we're given to hospitality. This denotes, guys, the, the Greek is diakontis, okay? It literally means to do something with intense effort and with definite purpose and goal. So when he calls us to give ourselves to hospitality, we have to be intentional in that. I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 
9 and 10 here. It says, above all, love each other deeply because we know love covers a multitude of sin. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. Just read the next verse. Offer hospitality to one another. That's what we do. And now, okay, uh, for all of us who are introverts and neat freaks, what's the last part say? Without grumbling. That's where it hits home a little bit. Okay. I'll do it, and I'm not to complain. I'm not to grumble about it. Yeah. Check out what Hebrews chapter 13 says. Keep on loving one another uh, as brothers and sisters, and do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some will have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Think about that, guys. When we entertain others, we might even entertain an angel without knowing. You guys ever feel like you might have done that at some point? I've walked away from a few encounters. I'm like, that just might have been an angel. Wow. That's pretty rad. I think I've shared a couple of those stories with you guys in the past. But I love the emphasis that he puts here. Show hospitality to strangers. Because it's easy to love those that we love. I know you. It's even easy to love those who come to church. Well, you're here for a reason. We got something in common, you know? But the people that are radically different than us, love them. Remember the prisoner is if chained with them. That was the verse that the Lord got my heart to go up into the jail. I'd never been in jail before. I never got caught. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing in common with these people. I'm a pastor. I like Jesus. They don't like Jesus. That's why they're in jail. They're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Go love these strangers. They got tattoos and long hair and want to beat me up. That's what I thought. God knows best. Some of the most hardened people I ever have met in life. What a sweet, soft heart they have before God. How much we have in common. Go love those strangers. Bring good tidings. Share that good news. What will God do, guys? Be eager, show hospitality. I want to, for a minute, talk to you guys about love that is not hospitable. Because hospitality isn't dinner with friends. You guys know what that's called? Dinner with friends. Oh. Remember, hospitality is the love or the welcoming of a stranger. Love that is hospitable isn't gender specific. Because many, many, like many men hear hospitality and they're like, hey, that's what my wife is for. She's good at that. Now I want us to remember, guys, it is an imperative. It is a command for every Christian. I don't care if it's your gift or not. We are all called to give ourselves to hospitality. 
So how do we show hospitality today? I'm so glad you guys asked. It's not complicated, though it doesn't mean it's easy. Okay, I want to give you guys four ways as we conclude this morning. Okay, love that is hospitable is home hospitality, work hospitality, costly hospitality, and gospel hospitality. So the first one we'll look at is the home, okay? And this may look like hosting a small group or something at your home, and it may look like inviting a neighbor over for dinner or listening to a friend over a coffee. Of course, these things can be done in your home, but home isn't always the optimal place. Do you guys know that? Some of you guys are living in a dorm or a small apartment, um, or you come over to my house, there might be little listening ears in on conversations. So in this section, guys, I think it's referring more to this private sphere of your life. Okay, so whether it's down the street, you know, at Kakani Coffee and Tea, or, you know, a restaurant in town, or maybe just a park bench, um, whatever the case. You guys need to see that the Bible is very clear. Time and time again, it talks about the holiness of eating together. Okay, that is something we see in the scriptures. There's something about long dinners, okay, with good food, good drink, good company, good conversation that center around our beliefs, hopes, fears. Guys, that's a good dinner. Our brothers and sisters group that the Goins hosted last night, you know, lent to that. They just opened their doors, made awesome food. Others brought awesome food to share, but... I got to talk my beliefs last night. I was encouraged in the faith, found some hope. I also got to talk about my despairs, being real with my brothers and sisters. Some didn't know some stuff that was going on. Some overheard some stuff. But it's one of those things when we lend to that and say, hey, I'm willing to allow people into my sphere to make that happen. I personally think the highest form of home hospitality, and listen to me, guys, fostering or adopting, right? Bringing in a stranger, think about that. Not just spend a night in your home, not just move in for a season, but move into your private, safe place, move into your family. It's choosing to turn a stranger into a friend and then, the, <laughs> then a family member through acts of welcome and generosity and the love of Jesus. That's huge. Think what Luke told us in his gospel, chapter 14, verse 12. Then he, speaking about Jesus, turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, your brothers, relatives, your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. That's what God thinks. Jesus sets up ordinary hospitality with eternal ramifications. Are you guys storing up treasure in heaven? I think one easy way to do that is to be hospitable to strangers. So... If you are a parent who is fostering or adopting, I talked with someone a couple weeks back, hold on to that scripture, okay? 
if you're experiencing ingratitude from someone that you are loving on, a stranger, you're going to have reward in heaven. I think that's pretty cool. Let's go on to the next one, work hospitality. You guys know that 80% of Americans who work in an office setting, um, everybody eats lunch. But most of them, 80%, don't have lunch with anybody else. Okay, They sit at their desks for 15 minutes and eat all by themselves. Uh, there's a trend. Uh, this trend is uh, common social scientists. They actually put a name around it. It's called desktop dining. So maybe hospitality looks like actually eating together in a break room. How many of you guys enjoy your break room lunches with other people? Yeah, okay. My wife does a lot of different subbing jobs around at different schools, and one of them that she's at a lot is Kimberly, and she's actually been able to befriend some of the other staff just over lunch, sharing the gospel with them to the point now they go on runs together. They're talking together. They're reading books, Christian books. They're not even Christian together. God likes us eating food together. That's my point. So one study said of uh, firehouses, okay, they found more cooperative behavior and better performance with their firefighters. There's one firefighter who said that you like your job more, okay, and you like your colleagues better. And they all attribute to, hey, it's because we're eating together. <laughs> That's where those things are taking place. Or maybe it's inviting someone that you don't know very well out to lunch. Maybe it's leaving your office door open and showing that, hey, I don't mind interruptions. Come on in. I'm okay with that. Maybe it's investing in somebody that you don't know very well, okay? Going out for a coffee some morning, getting to know them a little better. Or maybe it's taking your work friends, inviting them over with some of your church friends and see what happens, right? Uh, <laughs> maybe it's planning. You know how we do those meal schedules sometimes, you know, for people within the church? Have you guys ever done that for a non-believer? Yeah, let's get a bunch of people together. Just bless this person I don't even know really well. How cool would that be? All right, let's move on to costly hospitality. You guys can write down Leviticus 23:22. When you have a harvest of crops on the land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. And do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. So they lived off their harvests. And this cut into their proceeds if they actually did what God told them to do. So it cost them. And this ties back into hospitality in the workplace. Okay? Do I believe in an open roof policy in my home? Am I willing for my home to be filled, okay? um, to be refashioned or even tore up if it means it's a place people can come and meet with Jesus? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing for the carpet to get stained or a plant to get knocked over, coffee to be spilt so that laughter and music can be had. And then the gospel hospitality. People are almost always loved, not argued towards faith. You guys know that? How many of you guys got saved in a heated debate? You had a Christian arguing with you. You are so wrong, and this is the truth. This is the good news. You need to repent. Anybody get saved that way? All right. I didn't think so. So we often think 
the life of a Christian starts with, you know, conversion, then community, then discipleship. In reality, though, guys, it usually starts with community. Okay, many of you guys were invited to someone's home where they shared a meal with you. Or maybe you were invited to a, a Bible study and you're like, oh, I'll check that out. But you were invited in. How many of you guys got saved that way? Yeah, a few of you guys, okay? Um, many of us are in that you know, place where authentic relationships were built and it was because of hospitality. Maybe now more than ever, guys, sharing our faith is going to look more like hospitality. I believe this is something that God is doing in the church currently today. Okay, we've seen different ways that God's engaged. We've seen different revivals. <laughs> but I think today, in just the way our culture has become, okay, because everybody, they're on their screens. <laughs> we don't know who our neighbor is because we all have attached garages. Okay, I know they're, they're alive because I see them drive in and drive out of their garage. <laughs> but they go right into their house, you know. Literally, I don't even know what my next door neighbor looks like. Honestly, guys, I never, I get like a little sighting of his head walking in the door once in a while. Anyways, that's the life we live, and I think we really need to be in a place of, you know, a warm dose of welcoming hospitality to engage the lost, the stranger, um, and really open a door for those opportunities to share the love of Jesus with others for discipleship. So how do I start? Glad you asked. Literally, Greet everyone you see. Greet everyone you see. How many of you guys remember John Stoffel? A little jealous of him. He's in heaven with Jesus today. But he's a part of Freedom Fellowship for a lot of years. Him and Aaron came around when we first started Freedom. And then you guys who came to church back in those days, John would be the first person to greet you when you walk through the door. He was one of the nosiest guys I've ever met in my life. He was in your business. Who are you? What do you do? All these questions. That was John. But he had a gifting of connecting with people, and I think because he was nosy. He asked a lot of questions. And he also loved Jesus. You guys who knew John, he loved the Lord, and he shared Jesus with so many people. I used to pray, God, make me more like John. He's one of the goofiest guys I've ever known in my life, but I loved that about him. The Lord use that so greet everyone you see well that's harder if you're an introvert then pray to god to help you okay to give you strength to do that remember everyone you meet is eternal okay you've never met a mere mortal every single person no matter how goofy they might be how different they might be have been made in the image of our god So get to know people, take an interest in them, let your inner curiosity out by asking open-ended questions. Listen to them. Really get to know them. Isn't that what the Lord's done with us? Yeah. So it's pretty cool, guys. God moved towards you and I with radical hospitality. Think about that. What a Savior. What a God. We love the outsider because we were the outsider. Many in the Christian field um, would consider the best book on hospitality 
the gospel comes with a house key. How many of you guys have read this before? You loved it? Yeah. All right, it's Timmy's birthday, and she says she loved it. So let me share a little bit, because I'm hoping to stir you guys up to read the book, because it's my favorite book on hospitality. Uh, Rosera, uh, she was a tenured professor of English at Syracuse University, whose specialty was postmodern critical theory. She was a very outspoken lesbian. Uh, She was writing a book basically about how Bible-believing Christians are the worst and the source of all patriarchy. So to try, she wrote this book that she had to do a bunch of research and actually spent some time with different Bible-believing Christians uh, that she had grown to hate. She wrote um, an angry angry op-ed of uh, years against this movement. How many of you guys remember Promise Keepers from back in the day? A bunch of men got together um, in stadiums. Anyways, a pastor that literally lived right next to her, uh, Ken Smith, they reached out, him and his wife, and invited her over and said, hey, I read your article, and thank you so much for your thoughts. We'd love to have you over for dinner. Well, you guys guess what happened? <laughs> so she had to do research. She's like, yeah, I'll come over, hang with you guys, you know, because they began doing it on a regular basis, and she found that in their life and family and their faith to be more compelling than anything that she had ever experienced. So through that pro- process, guys, she gave her life to Jesus. And today, guys, she's a brilliant writer, Okay, uh, she's a foster homeschooling mom. <laughs> uh, she married a Presbyterian pastor. Um, and her basic case uh, is that the LGBTQ community does a way better job of welcoming strangers than the church. And that's why I'd encourage you to read her book because it really will stir us up to be hospitable, to engage the strangers, those who are not like us. And that we need to really recapture that ancient practice and heritage uh, and not the fringe idea of you know extroverted people with nice home who like to entertain, but really being the core of who Jesus is and following him. And I just want to close with a quote from her book. She says, Radically ordinary hospitality. Those who live it see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. This is God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of the gospel, or his kingdom. They open doors. They seek out underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. I love that. She spoke at, I think it was the Gospel Coalition four or five years ago. They got YouTube uh, teachings. I would encourage you guys, go check that out. Um, Very well done, and it will stir you guys up. Let's be loving our neighbors, okay? They actually open their home. Like, they they come back every Sunday. They have neighborhood people coming over, and it's so cool. Like, they pull up after church, and the neighborhood has all their launchers are in their yard, and they're just loving and sharing Jesus. So, Father, we pray that you'd help us to do the same. God, we want to be open-handed to you and, uh, yeah, that you'd use us. God, I know there's so much that you're wanting to do through this world, and we thank you that you're not calling us to do it, but just come alongside you and what you're already up to. 
Lord. So we pray that you'd help us, Father, to be vessels that would be useful in your hands that you can work through for your glory. God, we have so much to share. God, we want to point people to you. There is none other like you, Jesus. So thank you for stirring up our hearts this morning. God, help us to love well for your glory, we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.